everybody. My name is Sandy. I'm alcoholic. Okay, I'm not from Louisville. I'm from Rio Rancho, New Mexico. That's where my home group is. And the name of my home group is in the book. My sobriety date is November 14, 1983. And I am grateful to be here. Um, thank you. i got to tell you the story about how I got here, though. Okay, about a year ago, I got this, um, this Facebook request from this old guy. I mean, he had gray hair. He's old, right? I'm going, I don't know this dude. You know, ignore, ignore, ignore like three times. And she said he wouldn't be offended if I told this story. And I hope you're not. Um, but uh, <laughs> So, you know, and, and I, I get this email at work. Well, no, uh, there was a con- the same old guy tried to contact me on LinkedIn. I'm going, ignore, ignore. I don't know this guy, right? You know, because I've had some weird experiences behind old guys. But anyway, <laughs> well, you'll, you'll hear about it in a minute. But anyway, so finally this lady emailed me at work. She said, um, she said, I'm sorry to disturb you at work. We'd like for you to come and speak at the Missouri State Convention. And I'm going to tell you, the day that I got that email, I would had the day from, I mean, I was at the bottom of the barrel. And I'm, you know, I'm, I, I just I recently tur- almost turning 30, you know, and I'm just in a 30 years sober, not 30 years old. And I'm just in a real weird place inside my gut because what I used to do is not working anymore. I don't know what to do. There's not a lot of, you know, people knocking down the bushes in front of me. So, you know, I am just in a, in a bad place. And, um, and I'm on my knees that morning. I said, all right, God, if you want me to do something, you're just going to have to show me what it is. And I get the email from Lady, And she asked me to come speak here. You know, and she wasn't that old guy. <laughs> you know, that's her husband. <laughs> and he's over there. <laughs> and, you know, I just, um, every time, every time I do, every time I go to my knees in prayer, I get an answer. And sometimes it's not really the one I want, you know. But, um, but I have learned here that, that do, just do what's in front of me. I've got those sober feet, and we've talked about that. I'm going to tell you, I have had, I have had more fun. I have a new, um, Definition for the reason for depends. If you hang out with Danny and this guy and these guys, you're gonna pee your pants laughing. Yeah. I started sharing that story, but I won't. I mean, it's been that kind of weekend with these guys. I'm telling you, I mean, they're insane and they're sober and they're doing the deal. And I tell you, that kind of enthusiasm spreads like wildfire. And I'm glad to be part of this this weekend. I've had an awesome time. Okay, let's get sober. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't come to y'all to get sober. Um, I come to one day and there's a police, there's policemen knocking on my door, and which wasn't weird in my neighborhood because they did that a lot, but they were always looking for my neighbor. Oh, before I get, I want to say um, it's good to see the people from Joplin. Because I met a lot of people last year, right after the storm I was there. And, you know, these people are here, and they're sitting through me again tonight. So, thank you, and it's good to see you. So, anyway, I come to, and the police are knocking on the door, and, you know, and I come, you know, I'm coming to, and, you know, they're, they're, they're not ever looking for me. They're always looking for the guy next door, so I open the door and tell them he's next door. But they were looking for me, and they went through my little trailer like you see them do on TV, and they found what they're looking for. Well, I couldn't tell them that that bag of pills that they found was what I took when I drank all night. I mean, you know, worked all day, drank all night. So I, and so I had those little pills to help me stay up the next day, right, so I could work. <coughs> well, that other little bag of pills that they found, a big bag, um, was what I took when I worked all day, drank all night, stayed up all day so I could go to sleep. Okay? They had it with possession with intent to distribute. And I couldn't tell them that that gun that I found was what I used to protect me from hobos. Now, I've not seen a hobo till I got sober and come to these rooms, and I've met several. So, you know, they had that illegal possession of firearms. Now, this was back before getting busted was fashionable. And I was looking at doing some prison time. And I am scared, and they take me to jail. Now, <coughs> I can't. I'm in jail, and I know that I am in serious trouble. Because <clears throat> they found enough dope on me to put me—I mean, put me under the jail. 
and um, I, I don't have money to get me out of jail, and I can't call him because she's home, and uh, you know, <laughs> she does not like Sharon at all, and uh, so they kept bringing those trays, you know, the food trays, and I sit there and I sit there, and finally I convinced a deputy sheriff to call him in case she was home, um, and he come and got me out of jail. Now, what happened for me, I didn't go home, take a shower, none of that stuff. I went straight to the bar to see if I was missed. And I was missed. <laughs> they were wondering where I'd been because I was a regular participant at this particular establishment. <coughs> and they had already heard about my predicament. I don't know how they knew. I mean, I'm in this little small town that you can put in this hotel, right? And I was wondering how they knew. And, uh, and I'd sit there, and, you know, the more I drank, the more I, I got my, you know, my solutions always come when I drink. That's what happens for me. That's the reason I drank. And um, I know I'm in trouble. And, that, you know, at, at that bar, and within the next day or two, I had a friend of mine. We used to always go drinking together, but he had been somewhere, and he'd come back, and he's talking in half sentences. So we kind of leaving him alone because we ain't sure where he's been. So we'd be on at work together and, you know, come go have a beer with us. He said, oh, I'm not drinking one day at a time. Okay, we'll see you tomorrow, you know. And we'd go on off doing what we want to do. And uh, something would happen, you know, and uh, he'd say, oh, just let go and let God. We'd go, let go and let God do what, you know. <laughs> Stupid. He's talking these half sentences, ain't making no sense. And, uh, and we just leave him alone because he's weird. Well, here he is at my door. I'm going, oh, jeepers. You know, now I've got enough, you know, I can relate to some of the stories I read in the big book. I've got enough booze in the refrigerator to get me through this little visit with him. And, um, and what he told me is he knew how I could keep my job or get my job back because I knew I was losing it. And um, I said, sign me up. Well, he signed me up for treatment. I didn't know that at the time. I had these two old railroad men. I, worked, I was one of the... Um, First six women hired for the equal rights thing with the railroad and all that kind of stuff. So these these two old railroad men come in. What I know today, they were 12-stepping me. But back then, I thought they were just being dirty old men. That's what I was telling you. I had these experiences with dirty old men, you know. And uh, so these guys come to my house, and they tell me all these stories that they should have just kept to themselves or to, to their grave, right? I mean, you don't share that stuff with people. And... Um, <laughs> So, you know, they signed me up for treatment. Now, I didn't know you could go to treatment all tore up. I, I, you know, I earned my pants and I packed my little piggly wiggly bag because I didn't have a suitcase. And, you know, and I'm sitting on the front steps like I'm going to kindergarten or catching a bus or something, going to school. You know, I'm out there and I'm ready. And, and the Al-Anon wife and the AA man, that one of the old guys that confessed to me, um, were the ones that's going to take me to treatment. So I get in that car and I'm... You know, about halfway down there, I figured I had made a huge mistake. You know, these, because this Alanon lady's telling me all about not drinking ever again and letting go and, you know, God doing and all this kind of stuff. And I'm sitting back there, I'm going, uh-uh. I said, I'm going to go down here and do this little stint. And then I'm going to, you know, I mean, I, I'm going to come on back home and get on with my life. Because I can do anything for like 30 days. I mean, I've been married. Well, I don't know how long I was married, but it was still a bag of Quaaludes, however how long that takes you. But, you know, that, you know, I, I'm... I have, I don't know how long it was, you know. I mean, you get eating those things, you can't tell time anyway. <laughs> you don't care. So, anyway, so I go to treatment. And, you know, and I'm, they're, they're signing me in and signing me up and all that kind of stuff. And you, they ask you all these questions. And, you know, they say it's best if you be honest. Now, I'm, I'm in trouble, but I'm not stupid. I am not going to be honest to these people because I'm fixing to go to prison. I am not going to sign no confession. You know, and that's what they're wanting me to do. And uh, so I told them just enough so they could fill in their blanks. <clears throat> and, uh, and I'm in treatment. I'm sitting there. And here comes this lady. And, you know, I don't know if she was a nurse. I, don't, I couldn't even tell you what she really told me that day. But what I heard her say to me was, you don't ever have to feel the way you're feeling ever again. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I come out of the shoot six foot tall feeling like crap. You know, when you're 50-something years old, you know, the height looks good. But when you're 7, 8, 9, and your feet hit the door, hit the room before you do, and you're long and tall and that's all, and people picking at you about being so skinny and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I was always wanting to be somewhere else in somebody else's body doing, some, you know, doing something else. And she told me I didn't have to feel like that again if I just do what they asked me to do. I didn't believe her. 
But, you know, what have I got to lose? I'm going to prison anyway, you know. So I said, okay, I'll try your little gig, you know. And, um, and I started doing what they asked me to do in that treatment center. And I found out, you know, it was my first attempt at an inventory, and I found out that a lot of things I blamed my mama for wasn't my mama's fault. She raised four of us by herself. I'm the only girl, and I'm going to tell you, I gave being a girl a bad name. <laughs> she kicked me out when I was um, about 14. I had trouble remembering how old I was because I'd done some yaki document with my birth certificate to make me older than I am, actually, or was, actually, so I could get a learner's permit. Now, I don't know why I did not for two years so I could get a driver's license, but I did. So I lied about it for so long, I had to stop and think how old I am. Because I'm, I'm trying to not lie no more, right? So, so I started doing. And I found out that Mama was just doing the best she could trying to raise four kids by herself. I had the perfect brother. I tried to kill him. I got him under the house and beat him in the head with rocks, and he just would not die. You know, I hated him because he was perfect. You know, Mama was always telling me, why don't you be like him? Why don't you be like him? I didn't want to be like him. He stayed in the house and could cook and all that kind of crap, and I wanted to be out there with them boys. Well, I've, I've lived with three boys, brothers, and every time we moved somewhere, it was always around a big pack of boys. So, I mean, I don't know nothing about putting clothes together, but I, I, I can skin a rabbit and a squirrel, and I can catch fish and bait my own hook, and I can make a Coca-Cola can dance with a pistol, and you can't chase me nowhere with a bug, you know. So, I mean, that's, that's, how, that's what I know. And I know that my mama tried to do the best she could with me, and I just wore out. You know, like some of these newcomers in AA, we don't give up, we just give out, <laughs> you know. Um, and I've I done, some, I done some looking at me, you know, at that time. And uh, I'd done the little deal, and I was starting to feel better, and I'd asked this Al-Anon lady um, if she would be my sponsor, because the little town where I lived, there wasn't any women in the, in the meetings. I mean, they would come in and go in, but there wasn't anybody staying. They didn't have time. So I asked her if she would sponsor me, and I am forever grateful that she said yes. But that Al-Anon lady, you know, she was a female part of my sponsorship, and that, that AA man was the man part, you know, and they double-teamed me, and they absolutely saved my life. You know, I will be forever grateful for Al-Anon because that woman didn't turn me away, and she knew who I was and what I was when I come here. And she loved me in spite of that. You know, that's what they do. They love drunks, you know. I didn't know that. Um, so I'm getting ready to get out of this treatment center, but they weren't ready to let me go home. They wanted me to go to halfway house, which wasn't a big deal to me, except the one they wanted to put me in had girls in it. All girls. No boys. All girls. And they have rules in this halfway house. I mean, seriously. You know, they want you to travel together like a pack of ducks, you know. Everywhere one goes, the other goes. And they want you to wear all your clothes. Well, I don't have the clothes they're wanting me to wear. You know, because back when I was drinking, we'd get a, we'd get a party in and I'd, you know, I'd have trouble putting my clothes back on because I'd be drunk, right? And my feet get tangled up in the panties or the bra get hooked up un- underneath the seat, you know, because you'd stash it, right? And, and that was back when you could get your hand under the seat, right? So, I mean, it would get tangled up or it'd come out and be all greasy from the whatever's under there and all that kind of stuff. So I just quit wearing all that crap because it got to be a pain. Or you would forget it and then somebody else would find it and they didn't like that. So that's not good. So I'm in this halfway house and they want me to wear all my clothes. I'm going, oh, shoot. So what touches my heart is, you know, i I'm, I'm fully clothed tonight with all my clothes. And, you know, every time I get up here and I think I'm all that in a box of rocks, I remember that day. You know, when I didn't, I didn't even, I asked those women in that halfway house, I told them, I confessed, that I didn't know about, you know, what size my underwear were and all that kind of stuff. So they shut me in the dressing room and they paraded panties and bras across that until they, I found what fit. You know, so I just got to remember, every time I don't know, all I got to do is come to y'all and say, I don't know, will you help me? Now, you don't laugh at me that day, <laughs> but I guarantee you 30 minutes later, we are laughing. <clears throat> I mean, we're laughing about it. And I, I've experienced that this weekend, you know, just the honesty, you know, that where we can laugh at ourselves, character defects and all. I mean, it is amazing healing. And I found out that those women were not my enemies like I thought they were. They were like me. 
<clears throat> and I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. I was my own enemy, and I, I blamed everybody else for that. About this time, they tell me I can come home, and I'm, not, I'm really nervous about coming home because I'm, I'm afraid all my friends that hadn't brought me cigarettes while I was in jail or hadn't wrote me since I've been in this treatment center would come to the house and take me and get me drunk. That's what I was scared of. So the Al-Anon man and the AA woman come. No. You know, that couple. I get them screwed up. They come, they come and got me, and we were talking on the way home. And she told me, she said, now, if you get squirrely, just call me and we'll come get you. Now, we didn't have cell phones. These are landlines and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm in that trailer and I'm pacing like a caged dog, right? I am scared to death. You know, I'm peeping out of the windows. I don't know what to do with myself. And, you know, I pick up the phone and she said, call her on. She's probably having supper. And I'd walk another two miles in that house, right? Not two miles, but it seemed like it. I paced a lot. So I'd go by the phone and I'd pick it up again. I'm going, you know what? She's probably, you know, they probably have company, you know. Finally, I said, oh, I had hell with it. And I picked up the phone and I dialed them. And, and she come and got me. And I went to my first AA meeting. And in that first AA meeting, I met an old guy. Another old guy. So I'm straight out of treatment. I'm an alcoholic and an addict. And I say that in this meeting. And that old guy screams from the back of the room, yeah, and I got hemorrhoids too. What the hell does that got to do with anything? He said, that's right, and don't you ever forget it. Crazy people got in these meetings where I attend. You know, so, I mean, over and over. He didn't care if it was birthday night and there were 12 people there. We had a small group. But, I mean, he would scream about them stupid hemorrhoids. Every time I said, my name's Sandy, I'm an alcoholic and an addict. And I go, what in the world is wrong with him? Finally, I got enough courage to pull somebody aside and say, why is he doing that to me, you know? He said, well, Sandy, you know, you're in Alcoholics Anonymous. And as long as you're saying you're alcoholic and something else, you're saying you're different from us. Well, if you're different from us, what we do might not work for you. So why don't you get in that book and see if you can, you know, identify with about being an alcoholic? Oh, why didn't he say that, right? <coughs> so I get in that book and, you know, I found a lot of ways that I identified. I'm a restless, irritable, and discontented and, and until I, you know, have the sense of ease and comfort that comes at once by a few drinks. I mean, that's, that's happened to me. You know, I mean... Um, I have had times when I, I was drinking and had to take some other pills. <coughs> I can't quote it, but you know what I'm talking about. I um, have had times when I wanted to die and didn't have the courage. I've had times when I've stole to, to drink. You know, I have done whatever I needed to do to drink. And I've had people, you know, talk to me about my drinking. But then I quit hanging out with them. You know, and, you know, he talks about, you know, becoming the lone wolf in that book. And I, I identified with that. So I go to the meeting. I figure I'm alcoholic now, right? <coughs> so I go to the meeting. My name's Sandy and I'm an alcoholic and I listen for that old fart. You know, and he didn't say nothing. I didn't know I had the power to cure hemorrhoids. <laughs> but I did They have warned me about this old guy. He didn't care if he made you mad. He didn't care about your little feelings. I mean, I'd be whining about something, and he'd have me hemmed up in the kitchen with a five-dollar bill in my face. Let me buy your first pint, Missy, if you don't think you belong here. You know, or if you don't like it, you think it's better out there. You know, and, you know, I fought him. I cussed him. He taught me how to pray. I prayed that that son of a gun would have a car wreck and die on the way to a meeting. Because he drove 30 miles every week to that meeting. And every week I'd pray he'd have a car wreck and die. Because he was that kind of guy. You just hated him. You know, I did. You know, and uh, I know there's nobody like that in this part of the country. (laughs) We used to go to the meetings just to see who'd get pissed off and hit him, you know. I I mean, he was that kind of guy. You know, oh, it was bad. You know, this is back in the day before, you know, I lived in a place where there's a meeting every hour on the hour around the clock. So, you know, I've heard it talked about this weekend. We thought the first step was getting the car, you know, because we'd get in the car, whoever had the biggest car, and we'd drive to the meetings. I mean, we drove all over the southeast, you know, and we'd have the meeting going, we'd have the meeting there, and then we'd have the meeting coming home. And, I mean, we knew everybody. You know, kind of like all these guys, you know, y'all, y'all just know everybody because of the service work and going to meetings all over, you know, and east and west coming together. You know people across the state, and that's how it was. 
And I just, I loved it, you know. Um, <clears throat> me and this guy started winking and blinking at each other because he was one of the ones that got in the car. And, uh, and oh, he was so smart, you know. He, he explained spiritual experience to me and all that kind of stuff. And, <laughs> I mean, that didn't sound right. I mean, seriously. <laughs> He explained it to me. He didn't show me nothing, okay? <laughs> but, I mean, you know, we... Some things, when they just out there, they're just out there, and you just can't help it, can't fix it, just need to leave it alone, okay? Um, so, you know, we started we started the AA date. Now, newcomers, you're going to love this. An AA date, when I got sober... He would, he would pick me up, and we would go to dinner before the meeting because in this little small town, a lot of stuff closed up, right? It wasn't open after the meeting because the meetings were at 8 o'clock, not 6, not 7, 8. <clears throat> so, you know, we'd go to dinner before the meeting, then we'd go to the meeting, and then he would bring me home, and he would leave. <laughs> what was the damn point of an AA date? You know, you get up on the stoop, and you don't know whether to kiss goodnight or close with the Lord's Prayer, for God's sake. <laughs> I didn't like no L.A. date. So I'm in the garden, pissed off, talking to this al lady, because she's my sponsor, right? And I'm talking to her about this man, because he ain't grabbing nothing that ain't his. He ain't touching nothing. He ain't, I mean, nothing. <laughs> I didn't understand it, because I'm going to tell you, I done put on some weight. I'm, you know, I'm buying clothes and food and all that stuff with my money and not blowing it. And I am looking good, and he just don't want nothing to do with it, and I don't understand it. So I'm in, this Al-Anon lady, I mean, she was a gardener, right? So we're in the garden. I'm digging potatoes, and I'm slinging dirt everywhere. And I am pissed off. Because, you know, I'm, I'm hot, right? Well, you know, so I'm, I'm, I don't get it. I don't get it in my head. And this Al-Anon lady, I can't, I can't imagine what she was thinking that day. But, um, you know, I asked her, I said, Dad, what's going on? I, you know, I don't understand why he don't want me. And she said, Sandy, maybe he's trying to show you some respect. I said, respect? Well, that's what, you know, when they've been with you that night and they come back the next day, that's the kind of respect I'm looking for. (laughs) He wasn't having nothing of it. Now, that woman didn't laugh at me that day at the garden. But I'm going to tell you, I have sponsored some women. And I'm going to tell you, it's hard for me to keep a straight face. She is much better than I was. You know, I, had, I, was, I sponsored a lady one time. She told me, she said, Sandy, I almost had sex. I said, how in the world do you almost have sex? She said, well, I had it, but I didn't like it. <laughs> Only in an alcoholic mind does that make sense. You know, you know and I about wet my pants. You know, I didn't laugh at her, but it was the hardest thing I had to do to keep that straight face and take her serious. Because, you know, she was serious. And if you're not sponsoring newcomers, you're missing out on some cheap entertainment, let me tell you. <laughs> and new definitions to words. <clears throat> so me and this guy, you know, we start, we do this AA date thing. And, and then he asked me to marry him. And I'm going to tell you, when I was out there, I knew I wasn't the marrying kind. And he knew enough about me to knew who I was before I come to y'all. And he had seen me work these steps and make amends and all that kind of stuff. And he had seen me change, you know. And, um, and I told him I would. Now, my oldest brother, when I was, I don't even know how old I was, um, I ran away from home and went to New Orleans, Louisiana, and started selling myself on the streets down there. And my oldest brother come down there and found me in that situation. And he picked me up by my shirt collar and just disowned me on the spot. You know, and, uh, and through the, the process of the amends, you know, I went to him and I made amends for that. Because I know that that is not the, the sister that my brother wanted. You know, I, I, I can't imagine how that hurt him. You know, but because of the amends and all of that kind of stuff, and I looked at my part and tried to clean all that up, he gave me away at that wedding. I know, Alcoholics Anonymous. So me and that husband just walked off in the sunset and burned up. <laughs> Actually, that's not what happened, but really it is. You know, about five years sober, <clears throat> I'm trying to make his God my God, and I'm not honest that I'm not, his God's not working for me. 
<clears throat> and I um, uh, go to a conference and I have an affair with a man. You know, I swing out on another man. And I go back to that little town and uh, um, everybody knows about it. AA is a small world. You think you're doing something and getting away with it in AA? It gets, it gets back to your town for you, do. <laughs> and it did. And, uh, and everybody in the meetings chose sides. And they didn't choose my side. You know, I'm a whore in the meeting now. You know, I'm in Alcoholics Anonymous and I can't go because it's not a safe place. I'm five years sober and I am just crazy. I'm crazy behind my behavior. I'm crazy behind my thinking. I'm, cra- I'm just stone crazy. And, um, and um, the old guy that I cured, you know, we had had, some, we had had some issues with the way he treated newcomers. So we took a group conscience without him and, uh, and ha- wanted somebody to go talk to him, tell him to tone it down. Well, the old timer went and talked to him about five years, right? The old timer went and talked to him and come back with his tail between his legs. We, don't, we don't, still don't know to this day exactly what happened, but no, nobody else had a meeting without him and went to calm him down. But anyway, if you would give me five minutes, I'd tell you how bad he treated newcomers and how he did this wrong and did that wrong and all that kind of stuff. And, and I just um, I took his inventory and, and just, just talked bad about him, talked trash about him a long time. And um, I'm, at, I'm at my house, and I'm five years sober, and I'm coming out of all this crap of my behavior, and, um, and I got a pistol. And I know that drinking is not an option for me because I am totally convinced in my being that I am an alcoholic, and to drink is to die for me. I know that in my toes. But I tell you what, blowing my brains out is definitely an option because I can't, I can't come to AA, you know, because y'all are not welcoming. And... Um, <laughs> And I can't live where I'm at either, you know. So I, I pick up that gun, and then I think about that old guy, and I call him on the phone. And he, he said, who is this? Because I'm blowing snot everywhere and crying and all that kind of junk. I don't cry pretty. Um, he said, when I told him who I was, he said, get in the car, step one. So I, <laughs> so I get in the car and go to here. Well, first he asked me, he said, can you drive? I said, yeah, I can drive. He said, get in the car and come over here. So I got in the car and I went over to his house. And I'm going to tell you, he, uh, he was out on the front porch of his house when I drove up. And, you know, he just opened up his arms and I fell in him. You know, this guy, one time I cussed him out because he wanted me sober and didn't want in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> he told me that out loud. I was pissed. <laughs> How could he not, right? <laughs> That is what I brought to y'all. I mean, that mindset, that attitude, that personality, that thinking, all of that. That's what I brought to y'all. That's what y'all had to work with. And, um, and I fell in his arms, and him and his wife taped. And I want to give a hand to the tapers because they just carry an awesome message. Because what this guy did for me is he put me in his hip pocket and let me work that tape table to pay for my meals. And I'd go to conferences and I'd meet old timers and I'd meet people. And I'd meet people from California that had had an affair. One guy from California was sitting in a meeting with three of his ex-wives. <laughs> they wouldn't fight. Now I'm going to tell you, I talked to him after. I wanted to know how he did that. And he shared with me how he did that. Alcoholics Anonymous in the steps. That's how he did that. And so um, this guy, I mean, they, they absolutely saved my life. They absolutely saved my life. So I'm at a district meeting because I'm district secretary. And you know the chatter before the business meetings, all that kind of stuff. And um, income, future ex-husband, ex-husband of the day. And there was a hush fall all over the room. Because I'm going to tell you, when, when I... When, I had trouble getting into the meetings after this affair I had. I went to the meeting. I got behind the podium, and I cussed all y'all out. I told y'all I didn't need you. You could take your meeting and shove it. And I just marched my little sweet butt right out that door. And what I know today is I know I need y'all a lot more than y'all need me. And I am very clear on that fact. But when that guy come in that room that day, I had been praying to make amends, okay? But I, I'm sitting there. I'm going, oh, God, not today. You know, I wanted it in private, right? But, you know, I show out in front of y'all, I get, clean it up in front of y'all. That, I mean, that's how I got sober is in front of y'all. 
So I get out of my chair and I march my little butt right across that room and I stick my hand out and I said, I am glad you're here. I did not say I was glad to see him there because I wasn't. But I was glad he's here. Because this is Alcoholics Anonymous and we talk about this today at lunch. You know, this is not something I do on Tuesday because I'm bored. You know, my life depends on being able to come in these rooms without judgment and all that kind of stuff. Now, I've, I have done some bad actions in AA. I have. And, but I also have tried to clean them up. But I also don't want to be the one picking sides and calling people's names when they come in these meetings. You know, I know from where I live and where I come from that I do the very best I can on any given day. Now, tomorrow I see I totally screwed it up. But I got to believe that everybody else is operating under those same principles. You know, and if I can do that and leave that judgment somewhere else and make an alcoholic feel welcome in these rooms, I, I, I think we all got a chance to survive this disease that will kill us. You know, you, I hear people 10 years sober blowing their brains out. You know, they can't come back to the meetings or they, the people tell them, you know, you should know what to do after all your time. I'm going to tell you, I'm 30 years sober and some days I can't grab my butt with both hands. So I get on the phone and I call people, call sponsees, call any sponsor, call anybody, because I don't know how to do this deal. And together we can. And I need to remember that. So um, about this time in my in my spiritual growth, I decided that like a children is my dilemma. Yeah, I'm here to report like a children is not my dilemma. But I find a man that's got to, and I make his business my business, and I'm married again. I'm going jeepers. I don't know how I do that. But I I have that ability. So, you know, we rock along, and and it's not working. Like I said, like a children is not my dilemma. And and we get a divorce. But this time I didn't swing out on another man. You know, I I am not willing to put myself or somebody else through that heartache. You know, <coughs> just not willing to do it. <coughs> Will you get me some more water, please? Thank you. And uh, so, because of this program and the steps that I take and the traditions that I try to apply in my life, when th- this guy had two kids, thank you. This guy had two kids. <coughs> and when that oldest boy graduated, there was the mom and her partner on the field. There was me and my new husband on the field, and there was dad and his wife on the field, and none of us were fighting. Because when I married this guy, he would talk bad about her because she left him for her. And I said, you can't do that. You're talking about their mother, and you're making them feel guilty about that. Principles before personalities, right? That's one of our traditions. I told her the same thing. She would go off on him. I said, same speech. You know, and I told her, I said, I'm not trying to take your place. I'm trying to help these kids out. And I'm going to tell you, me and that woman got along just fine. That's another principle before personalities. You know, I was honest with her. I'm not trying to take her place with those kids. I just wanted to help them if I could. And, you know, in that graduation ceremony was was an example to me what Alcoholics Anonymous looks like in action. Well, I'm real spiritual when I got money. Okay? (laughs) And... I got to wait. I can't go there yet because I got to get I got to get him before I lose my money. I'm in the rain going through this divorce. I'm in the rain pumping gas, and there's a lady that I know from the bank, and she said, "I know somebody you need to meet." I said, "I don't need to meet nobody. I am like done up to here with this guy thing." She said, "No, Sandy, seriously, he's going through a divorce, and he needs you." (laughs) I love to be needed. So um, I said, okay, tell him to call me. But I didn't give her my phone number, right? Well, he worked for the telephone company, and he had access to it. So he called me that night and wanted to have a cup of coffee, and I said, okay. And I'm thinking, if this guy looks weird or I get some funny vibe, I am going to lie like a dog and get out of here, and I'm going to a meeting. Well, he didn't look weird. Well, kind of. He was short, but, you know. <clears throat> anyway, he didn't look weird. <clears throat> but um, And we sat down, we had a cup of coffee, and it was like I was talking to a good friend. I mean, it was the neatest, easiest thing, you know, and, and we started hanging out together. I mean, you know, he was going through a divorce, I was going through a divorce, so we kind of pulled our resources and had dinner, you know, and it, it was nice. <clears throat> and then we started, I started having these feelings for him, and I knew that I knew 
and that old guy, Bob, he said, you keep fishing in the same pond, you're going to keep getting the same fish. I'm going, what the hell are you talking about? I ain't fished in years. You know, I don't know what he's talking about. All these half sentences, right? I don't know what he's talking about. So, um, and I, you know, me and this guy start, you know, we start dating. And I really, really like him. He's a nice guy. He's a really nice guy. <clears throat> and um, I, know, I know me, and, and I tell him, I said, you know what? I really, really, really like you. like you a lot. And I want, I want to see where this goes, but I need to take some time for me. And I need to do an inventory. And he didn't, you know, I'm like Charlie Brown's mom. Want, want, want inventory. He don't know what that is. Want, want, you know. He don't care. I, he, but that's what I did. I said, I don't want to see you. You can wait, not wait. I don't care. But I need to do something for me. And that is just spend some time by myself. And I've done an inventory on me and my relationships with all these men. And I didn't find nothing flashy or anything. But what I found is I'm a, in relationships with guys, I'm a kicking, screaming two-year-old. I want everything now. I want it my way. And I ain't sharing nothing. And I'm going to tell you, that's not basis for a successful relationship. So after I done the inventory, I asked God to take me to a different place with that. Because I wanted to be different and I didn't know how. You know, isn't that what we do? You know, we ask God to change us because we can't, I mean, self-will can't change self-will. Yeah, I've tried. I've tried to be different. I mean, coming up, I was in them churches. I was sprinkled, dipped, and dunked in every one of them trying to be different. And none of it worked, you know. So I, I can't change me. So about the same time, you know, I am try- I'm beating hit people on the head with a big book because that's what the old guy did. And I, I do what I'm told. And I know that that's not working for me either. So I start praying for God to bring me a woman sponsor because this guy was a man. And I'm going to tell you, if you got access to women and all that kind of stuff, that is awesome. But when you don't, I am forever grateful for the old timers that love us enough to, to work with that alcoholic. Just an alcoholic. Don't matter about any of the other stuff. And I met some impressive people here this weekend that do that. And I am forever grateful that you do. You know, you don't care about that. You know, you care about the alcoholic getting sober. So, um, so I start praying. You know, I go to my meetings and he get my messages, right? So I go to meetings. Somebody say, well, call her. So I call her. She said, Sandy, Sandy. Oh, no. Uh-uh. No, bye. Bye. Y'all know me, right? They know me. Um, and, and nobody would. I mean, over and over and over, I'm told no. Over and over and over, I go and I make phone calls and people tell me no. And these are long-time people that, I mean, I'm willing to drive ever how far i got to drive for this to happen, right? So um, I get a tape in the mail. And it's been a long time since I've had tapes. I'm bad breaks and divorces, right? Um, so um, I get a tape in the mail and this lady says her first and last name from the podium. And what I heard her say on that tape was that she was at a place in Alcoholics Anonymous where she had to get in or get out. And I knew I was there, and I'm 10 years sober. And I'm 10 years sober. And I know that i got to do something different. So I called the taper, and the taper gave me the number, and I called her. It took us a couple of days to get caught up. And I asked her, I said, would you sponsor me? And she said, well, let me ask you some questions. She said, how many meetings are you going to a week? I said, one. I couldn't tell her that I couldn't go to those other meetings because I got up there and cussed everybody out and prissed out. You know, I'm trying to make a good impression here. <laughs> she said, that's going to change. She said, um, I'll sponsor you under these conditions. I'm thinking conditions. But out loud to her, I said, okay. She said, I want you to wear a dress to your home group meeting. A dress. My God, a dress out in my head I'm going I, I bury people in dresses I don't wear them to the meetings I go in the meetings I'm comfortable I got my shorts on or sweats or whatever you know she said Sandy it's not for you it's for the newcomer coming in the door if you're looking like that newcomer and you got 10 years what is that what kind of example of AA is that what have they got to grow toward I allowed her I said yes ma'am she said we'll go through that big book and I'm thinking in my head, I've been in a big book meeting ever since I've been sober. I am a big book thumper in my area. What do you mean go to the big book? But out loud to her, I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> she said, we'll set a call time convenient to me. Convenient to you? I am asking you to be my sponsor. I ought to have access to you 24-7. What do you mean convenient to you? But out loud to her, I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and we started doing that one day at a time. 
Now, I got this skirt in the back of the closet that I had the privilege of wearing to court. And I got, I got to tell you a little court story because I'm backing up. I call my, you know how Al-Anons are. They're all put together and everything matches and everything's looking good, right? So I'm getting ready to go to court. The lawyer tells me to wear a dress, right? Well, I don't have a dress, but I got a skirt. And it must it come from a secondhand store. It don't have no tags in it. So I don't know where the zipper goes. I mean, I don't. I, it's front side. I don't know. So I, I'm going to call this Al-Anon lady. Well, she ain't there. Well, the AA guy's there. He said, oh, hell, Sandy, just put that zipper in the front and wear it like we do. So I put that thing in the front and here I go to court. I can't imagine what I look like, but I got first offender's probation instead of going to prison. And what, and what I realized was I, was I was willing to go. I didn't want to go, but I was willing to take responsibility for my actions because that's what y'all taught me here. You know, and I got first offender's probation behind that. And that was my first, well, one of the many miracles that has happened in my life, you know, and I didn't lose my job. So um, I got this skirt, and, you know, and I go and get it. And she says, she said, before we hang up, she said, you got to get a commitment at your meeting. I go, a commitment? Oh, well, the chairman, the, the room's already set up. we got a little club. The meeting's already set up. I mean, what kind of commitment? She said, you like to pee on a clean toilet, don't you? Trick question, don't answer, don't answer. Out loud, I said yes, and she said, that's your commitment. <sighs> Trick. So I'm in this meeting in this little small town. I've got on a dress, and I'm trying to clean the toilet without showing my butt. And, you know, and people at the door in the bathroom are laughing at me. They're poking at their fingers, and they're going, get your sponsor from California, and look what they make you do. Ha, 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 And she told me I couldn't hit nobody no more. So I'm just scrubbing like hell on that toilet. But I started doing the things she asked me to do. And we met. I mean, this is back before we had cell phones. And, I mean, my call time come. And me and my husband were on the expressway somewhere. Find a phone. I got a caller. Find a phone. I mean, we wrecked the car trying to find the phone because I don't want to be late. You know, because I started to get the results of the actions she suggested I do. And I wasn't sponsoring people and wasn't sponsoring people. And people saw me change. And they started coming to me. And I got, you know, I am... You talked about it last night. You know, I don't get those cleaned up people. I get the people without a job, don't know how to work. I, I'm grateful because I've been there. But that's what I get. And I get this crazy girl. She is straight out of the nut ward and she comes straight to me. <laughs> Sandy, will you be my sponsor? She found out she's a genius in the nut ward and she was bragging about it. Was, her, her first thing was, don't do that. Don't tell, don't tell people where you found out you're smart. So I started working with her because she was on the sack of medicine. I started working with her and we started going through the book and we we went to her doctor together and we talked to him. I talked to him about Alcoholics Anonymous and all this medicine and stuff and she started coming off of it. And people saw her change and they thought I had something to do with it. Now we all know it's Alcoholics Anonymous and God. And I tried to tell these other girls that's what it was, but they they think it had something to do with me, and they started asking me to sponsor them. And I had me a little pack of girls. And I'm going to tell you, we went around all over Hell's Half Acre trying to just trying to help people, trying to do the deal. And uh, I'd done the inventory, and, and the day I woke up one morning, and I knew that I knew, and Wendell called me that day. He said, I need to talk to you. I said, I need to talk to you too. And uh, July 2nd, we celebrated 20 years of marriage. You know, I couldn't believe that. When he asked me to marry him, I said, I'll marry you one day at a time. He said, I'll take anything you got. Because one day at a time, I can be a kind, loving wife. One day at a time, I can be a faithful wife. Not forever, not till death do us part, none of that crap. I've been married like that three or four times. I ain't doing that no more. I'm marrying you today, just like I stay sober one day at a time. You know, one day at a time, I can do this deal. And that's how we started. And the day, you know, just like when the old guys used to tell me, I want their years. And he said, honey, if you get the days, you'll get the years. Just get through the days. So that's like it is with this marriage. You know, I'm getting through the days. So I'm spiritual if I got money. And Wendell loses his job. I'm going, oh, good Lord. You know, all the toys start going because we can't pay for them. I look good in this little sports car I'm driving, but we can't make it. So i gotta got to let it go back to the bank. We wash it and fill it up with gas. 
and sponsor, California sponsor says, go to the meeting and tell them. I am not going to do that. You know, I'm not going to tell them. She says, Andy, it ain't for you. It's for people that are going through hard times and know that they can stay sober behind it. You go to the meeting and you tell them. And ask that little gaggle of girls you've got to give you rides to the meetings. Yes, ma'am. And that's what I did. And those girls were honored to give me rides to the meetings. You know, when I talked about the financial stuff that we were going through, it opened up a whole new level with some, some members. You know, Mike talked about it. People one at a time come to me in their own way and said, you know, I've been there and done that, and this is what I did. That old guy, you know, he let us, he let Wendell paint his cabinets in his kitchen to earn some money for groceries. You know, that's what y'all do for us when we, you know, you said it, you know, if they can't pay the bills, we'll help you pay the bills. And that's what y'all did for us. Wendell got a job in Idaho. Iowa, Idaho, where are we going? <laughs> you know, I didn't know. He got on the map and showed me. And it snows in Idaho every year. <laughs> I got sober in Georgia. I've seen snow three times in my life. So I call, I call central office in Idaho. I'm wanting a meeting schedule so I can plan my arrival. And um, that's what y'all told me to do. Um, and I asked the guy there, I said, where do I go to take snow driving lessons? He said, lady, most of us just get in the car. <laughs> so I go to Idaho. I'm about, I'm about 15 years sober, 10 years sober, 15 years sober. And, you know, I heard all those stories about people with a lot of time going, moving places and having a hard time because everything's different. Well, I went there and Spawn said, you sit in the same seat in the meeting. And if they don't know your name, they'll know when you're not there. You get by the door. And we heard, I've heard it talked about this weekend. And you stick your hand out and be a greeter. And so I, I did that the first week. And I called her and I said, well, they're not telling me their name. She said, well, don't let go of their hand. So I got old guys dragging me around the meetings, you know, because <laughs> they won't tell me their name. You know, but, but what happened for me is I got to be an example of Alcoholics Anonymous. One more time. Show up early. You know, greet the newcomer. Sit in that same chair, even though they don't know who you are, they know when you're not there. And they thought I was a newcomer. She said, I couldn't go in there and spout off how much time I had. Pissed me off. Because I thought they would be impressed. You know, because I'm a long time sober, right? She said, you need to learn how they do it there. They don't need to know how you do it where you come from. I said, yes, ma'am. And, I, and that's what I started doing. And, you know, Idaho was wonderful for us. It was like God opened up the storybook and just threw us in it. And we had a good time. He was making more money than we've ever seen. And we just had a really good time. My mama got sick about this time. And um, she wasn't sick enough she couldn't live by herself, but she was sick enough that she couldn't take care of the house by herself. So I said, Mama, come live with us. She said, oh, no. Because she knew that little while girl. Now, I had been trying to be um, with my men's. Mama, Mama told me that all she ever wanted me, me, for me was for me to be happy. And every time, and I talked to Sponsor about it, and she said, just every time you call her, let her hear you happy. And if you're not, don't call her. So I, every Wednesday, I would call her, and she heard me happy. She had heard, you know, about this time I'm getting to speak a little bit, and she'd hear about my latest place I went, and, you know, I'd tell, them about, I'd tell her about y'all, and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, so she heard that. I said, Mama, come out and stay with us a week. If you don't like it, we'll get you back home. So she came out, packed for a week, and she, she stayed with me and Wendell. And she got to see what a sober daughter looked like. She got to see alcoholics. Uh, y'all come to our house. I mean, I had those sponsees over at my house all the time. And they'd sit around the table and they'd ask her about me <laughs> back when. You know, and that's when I found out that she didn't kick me out. She told me I couldn't drink in her house. One of my sponsees asked her about it. She said, honey, I never kicked you out. I just told you you couldn't drink there. <laughs> you know, um, she had a stroke and I was out of town and she was hooked up to life support. And um, she didn't want that, but we had to do that for me to get home. And uh, and when we unplugged her, you know, there was one of my home group members was a doctor that was that was in the room. He's the one that declared her dead. His wife was a was a nurse, and she was there. You know, she worked at that hospital where she was. You know, and we just closed with the Lord's prayer. You know, and that's y'all held my hand, 
And there wasn't any mama I wished I should have, could have done. All that had already been taken care of, thanks to what y'all have taught me to do here. And I am forever grateful for that. About this time, you know, Wendell's work's getting slow in Pocatello. And so his work says you can move, you can volunteer to go to Albuquerque, New Mexico, or you can go to Albuquerque, New Mexico. So Wendell volunteered to go to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Now, I moved for a small town that you can put in this hotel to Pocatello, Idaho. 50,000 people, and I didn't have to drive an hour and 15, 20 minutes to get to the mall. From Pocatello, Idaho, moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico, a million people. Some of the meetings that I started going to were bigger than this conference. I couldn't believe it. You know, I was so overwhelmed. I hated it. Everything was brown. I mean, people would come into the meetings five minutes before, and they would leave. And all you would hear was them sharing. And I'm used to smaller Intimate, you know, going over to each other's house, not having to call and make an appointment and all that kind of crap, drop by for coffee. You know, people in, a lot of people in Albuquerque don't drink coffee. You know, I just, I can't, I'm not sure they're alcoholic either, but, you know, <laughs> you know, decaf and fancy water and all that kind of crap. And I, you know, I had to get used to that. I mean, I like the fancy water, don't get me wrong. And decaf, look, I'm coming around to decaf because I can't. I can't stay up all night and work all day like I used to. Um, so, you know, I had to sit in that same chair and one more time do the things that I've been told to do here. And about this time, this California sponsor, I'm not being honest, everything's fine, you know, and I started to look for, because for, I'm in a big city now, there's sober women there, right, with time like me. So I asked one of these ladies to be my sponsor, and she did. And I got to sit in the room with my sponsor for the first time in many, many, many years. And it's an awesome experience to have somebody there looking you in the eye. You know, that's an awesome experience. And I get, I, get, I get the privilege of doing that. You know, and one more time, Alcoholics Anonymous is at work in my life. I got, you know, girls I sponsor and all that kind of stuff. And my life is really good. My life is really good. You know, and I get a chance to come out and share with people like y'all. Um, I got to tell you this one story, and then I wind it up. Um, a, a, a local guy that I sit in district meetings with, I'm district secretary treasurer, and um, he he called and he said, um, I'd like to speak to Sandy. I'm you know blah blah blah, and we have this gratitude bash, and I just want to see if you're available to speak. And I go, Peter. He goes, Sandy. Is that you, Sandy? Sandy Hickox. I go, Yeah. And he goes, Oh my God. He said, Well, I want you to come speak at local. And on the flyer it had, circuit speaker. I about died when I saw that. You know, because I was, I was telling Christy, I said, this is, not, this is not the cake. This is the icing. The cake is me by that door with them newcomers. The cake is me, you know, knee to knee with some new girl that's shaking it out and going through that big book. The, the cake is me, you know, doing what I can to help somebody get a job, you know, show them how to fill out a resume. The cake is working with those people in Alcoholics Anonymous. This is the icing. This is the fun part. And I don't tell people I do this. I don't. I mean, it's not the first thing out of my mouth. People I sponsor know I do it because I want to hook up on a weekend and I'm in Missouri. They go, Missouri, what are you doing there? You know, and I tell them, you know. Um, but because I, I couldn't believe that. You know, I just it just floored me. But um, now the whole city of Albuquerque knows and you know, they, they've, been, they've been poking fun at me about it, you know. And um, i got to take it with a grain of salt because I, I called my sponsor. And I said, what do I do about this? She said, Sandy, what about that? It's not true. Nothing. She said, accept the truth about where God has you. And tonight he has me in front of y'all. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.